Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what the hell's going on? We're having a debate at 2 o'clock. Hello? What? 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 No, I know all about it. It's going to be great. Uh, we got, uh, we got, uh, Andy, Andrew Giuliani standing in for Leah Zeldin. And yes, Anthony Weiner, uh, give him a chance. Uh, you know what? Everybody, everybody has made mistakes. And, uh, let's face it, he's paid a big price for his. And, uh, he's a smart guy with a lot to say and a lot to contribute. All right. So I don't want to hear any, uh, anybody with any beef with this. Okay. We're going to do this at two o'clock and it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be interesting. Uh, what else? What the hell else? Uh, I, I, what can we say? We all deserve a pat on the back. Maybe not yet. We got, did you vote yet? Did you vote? Quite frankly, I did not yet vote. I am waiting till tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm off from the Newsmax show, by the way. I have got to vote. I will vote. I'm looking forward to voting. And, um, everybody has to do it. Everybody has to do it. All right. Just follow through, follow through. And this country will be a fundamentally different place on Wednesday morning, a better place, a better place. I know everybody from Barack Obama to Joe Biden to uh, uh, CBS News is trying to scare you, scare everybody. Democracy is on the line here. Hey, it's so amazing that if they don't get their way, democracy somehow will will suffer, right? That's uh Now, we know, we know we're on the right side of this. We really do. And it's basic stuff. It's just basic common sense you know i would love it I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll put it to anthony does he really want to support does he really want to defend uh drag queens showing up in schools you know does he really want to defend drag time story hour i i just and this is not a fringe issue this is not uh what do they call it the, the culture wars it's all no this is uh pretty central in addition to well let's go through it uh no border out of control inflation, um, uh, the energy situation. To, uh, what was my big thing? Chaos plus Biden equals uh, no liberal plus chaos equals Biden. Liberal plus chaos equals Biden. The liberal. We have a liar. He's incompetent. Uh, he is. Oh, I got to look that up. <laughs> it's, it's a handy dandy little tool. Uh, if anybody ever needs convincing, or if you got to, uh, you got some, some relative or whatever, you know, I was in somebody's house not too long ago, and they, I started piping off about the election, and they were like, "Oh, you must stop talking about the election." I'm like, "Excuse me, why?" And uh, nope, I will not hear it. I will not hear it. And I said, "Well, I'm sorry. Um, I already get a hard time on the internet when I want to say what I want." Um, you gotta be careful when you're, you know, on the public airwaves. I'm in a private home and you're telling me, I don't care if it's your house, by the way. I'm gonna say whatever the hell I want. You don't have to invite me back. This is a dear friend of mine, by the way. I didn't take it that far. But I'm like, are you really gonna try to impose these, 
restrictions, the censorship in a private home, like somehow it's dangerous. Somehow it's dangerous to say, you know what? I don't know if uh, Joe Biden actually got more votes than Donald Trump. I'm really not sure about that. And I am sure that uh, it was an illegal situation, at least in Pennsylvania. Uh, just uh, is that a threat to democracy? Of course it isn't. Of course, we're grown adults. It's all fine. Hey, um, going back to Paul Pelosi, you looking at this? I think it's going to bust wide open after after Tuesday. Once Nancy does not have the power of the speakership and she's about to lose it, maybe maybe people will be braver. Maybe people will uh, start coming forward. Um, I don't know. I don't know yet. Now, did you guys cut that uh, story that I had on the news? Ma- oh, yeah, here we go. This is a pretty interesting thing. A guy from NBC News came forward and said the police, well, he didn't say police, but sources are telling him that Paul Pelosi answered the door when the cops got there. And what did Paul Pelosi do? Did he say help? Did he say, oh, my God, this guy is a maniac and help me, please. I got to get out of here. Did he walk out? No. What did he do? He walked back into the house to be close to David the Pape, according to NBC News uh, last Friday morning. Now, that report was uh, uh, pulled off the air. They have apologized for it. They're, oh, my gosh, this never should have been on air. Why not? This guy who broke it, Miguel Almaguer. Well, first of all, listen to what he broke. Cut 37, please. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. Hey, wait a second. Enough with this stuff. We got Dr. Raz on the phone. Forgive me, uh, Dr. Raz, a Republican nominee for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania. Dr. Raz, welcome back. How are you? What an honor. I'm doing very well, Greg. Thanks for having me on. So it's come down to tomorrow, and all we've got to do is have Republicans vote, and we win. It's been a, a long process, uh, worth every second of it. And I'll tell you, Americans, they're smart. They don't get uh, tripped up by you know, false uh, accusations. They understand the media sometimes gets it wrong maybe more than sometimes. And what they really do want to know is what are you going to do to make my life better? What are the kitchen table issues that causing me pain that you can address? And Greg, we've spoken about this. If we focus on the economy and crime, Republicans will win because the Democrats have mucked up both those issues. And it's not fair to the American people. You know, you looked right at the camera in that debate and you made that case. I think it was one of the most powerful moments in, uh, in politics that I can uh, remember. And if you if you remember anything about what you said, how did you put it to the people? And it seems so from the heart, but very much you're very much intellectual at the same time. Make the pitch one more time. I, you know, what doctors do most importantly is we listen. And so I, I did that. I listened to voters all over Pennsylvania. I heard from young people, couples wanted to buy a house, can't make the first payment because of the interest rates. The mortgage rates have skyrocketed. Talk to senior citizens. They can't make Social Security checks stretch far enough anymore because of runaway inflation. Young uh, families can't let their kids outside because they're worried about crime or drugs. And it doesn't have to be that way. And my opponent, unfortunately, is so far to the left that he might allow it, but I'm not going to let that happen. I want to bring balance to Washington, deal with the primary reason I think Washington gets it wrong, which is they take extreme positions. And by doing what I have always done as a doctor, which is to focus on the big problem, in my case, a broken heart, and unite people, then we'll fix the problems America faces. So my request of everyone, if you're listening right now, because I know this broadcast is heard in Pennsylvania, 
but it's true of every state and every uh, part of our great land. You know, it, this question that needs to be addressed is simple. Are you happy with where America's headed? And if your friends say they are, by the way, it's okay. You know, there's some people who are, but take their car keys away. They shouldn't be driving in that condition. The rest of the country, 70% say we're really unhappy. Things are not the way they were even two years ago. We've got to get back on track. In that case, know that I'm a candidate for change. I believe in the land of opportunity and the land of plenty. And I will make sure, because I believe in you, that working together will get America back where it was. Wall Street Journal is reporting uh, today that 18 percent of African-Americans are prepared to vote Republican. Now, that is a historic high. We haven't seen anything like that maybe in a century. Um, And we do have a lot of listeners in eastern Pennsylvania, including Philadelphia, uh, to uh, African-Americans, no matter what they do, what their persuasion, whatever. uh, What 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 is what would you make your case to to them? who, by the way, as a group, and I don't necessarily like talking like, oh, a group and group dynamics and that kind of thing, but they have been, I think, taken for granted by the Democrat Party. What's your message to them? Well, I've spent a lot of time with the African-American community. I have my whole career. You know, I practiced medicine up in Spanish Harlem, uh, where, you know, we could deal with a lot of the social issues that go along with illness. And in Philadelphia, I, I lived in Philly for, for a while when I was in med school, business school, and I used to walk in the streets. You can't do that anymore in West Philly. North Philly is dangerous. Kensington is where there were nine people shot on uh, Saturday night. I mean, for no, no obvious reason, no arrests, no nothing, except that apology from a system doesn't work. I'll tell you what people in Philly are telling me. African-Americans are saying they feel like they're part of a of an experiment, a social experiment run by white woke people. Those are it's their words I'm using. That's not me. And one pastor, I was doing a prayer vigil about all the homicides, and he said it's easier for me to find fentanyl than baby formula. He's right. We have created an environment in Philadelphia because of lawlessness, where where Starbucks is leaving, Wawa's leaving, businesses have to get out. Employees don't want to go downtown. No one's visiting to go to dinner or a theater, and so we have got to. Realize that when crime is rampant, you destroy the fabric of a city. And when you crack the infrastructure, the the community that exists, there's no healing ability. So we have to do things that, as, as someone who's been endorsed strongly by the Paternal Order of Police, I believe is correct, which is let cops do their jobs. Greg, you know this. Your dad was the police commissioner. If you tell cops that you can't run to the crisis, we're not going to protect you if you do. We're going to blame you if anything goes wrong. If you do happen to apprehend someone, we're, we're going to let him go. Well, no, no, no surprise. People retire. They leave. Uh, they can't do their job. They don't join up to do it in the first place. That's where we are right now in New York and Philadelphia and other major cities. Pittsburgh has got a murder rate. That's that's skyrocketing. I mean, we've got wonderful human beings who deserve better democratic approaches, which seem to care more about the criminal than the than the innocent have not have not worked. They fail us. I will stand strong to fund and appropriately su- uh, support police trying to do the right thing. So my wife was particularly offended that uh, Biden and Obama campaigned for uh, Fetterman uh, after his performance in the debate. Uh, the, like, obviously, this guy is not ready. Uh, he must go into a, some sort of residential facility and get better. He's not ready to be a senator. Um, were you taken aback by the uh, kind of the intensity of, uh, of Obama and uh, and Biden, you know, going going there for this very flawed, very damaged, literally, and it's sad to say, damaged guy. It started none of the debate where I pointed out that his radical policies and positions are not aligned with Pennsylvania values. The whole campaign 
for six months, I've been trying to get him just to answer and tell the voters why you think releasing one-third of prisoners makes sense, or you don't believe in life sentences for murderers, or why you want to raise taxes at everyone, even though you didn't pay your own 67 times. Why do you believe in legalizing all drugs? We know that increases homicide rates 50%. He won't answer the question. So I thought after the debate, when he once again was flip-flopping all over the place and wasn't willing to just take a clear position on why he thought those things were rational, he would at least you know, have awakened some Democrats that they should come to our side. Instead, they raised several million dollars that night fundraising because people just want to win the seat. They don't care about his radical positions. And what I'm warning people of is that if you bring to a Washington that's already getting it wrong because of radical positions, someone who only has radical positions and won't even work with moderates in his own party, forget it with the Republicans, we're not going to fix the problems. He's just a big AOC. And so we need to put people in Washington who understand balance, understand how to cut through the bipartisan bickering, and can make answers. And what, that's what heart doctors do. And we, you know, we have been successful fixing hearts in our field because we force people, push people, nudge people to get them to actually collaborate so that we can save lives. We need to do the same thing in the halls of Congress. I'll do that. Fetterman will do the opposite. Do me a favor. And you've got so much energy, and I can see you, like, hitting the ground running if you get this, and I hope you do, and I hope uh, Pennsylvania makes the right decision. I'm sure they will. I'm rooting for you, obviously. But I get the sense, like, from day one, you are kind of (laughs) – you're armed uh, with all these ideas, and I think you're going to be able to implement them. But what does it look like? You, You get to Congress. You get to the Senate. What happens next? I want to focus on health care, education, and energy policy. Uh, those are the three things that I have expertise in. Um, as a scientist, as a doctor, as someone who runs Health Corps, which you know about, we've touched the lives of 2.5 million kids with our kids' mentoring programs. I know how to help with those programs. I want to dedicate myself to serving in, in, the, in the Senate to do those three things, which are eminently addressable. Uh, but I'll tell you that my, my, my main passion, because my dad, when, we, when I was eight years old, said we're going to be Republicans, because he was an immigrant. He didn't have a party. So I asked him, why are we Republicans? And he gave me the best answer you could ever give. He said, because Republicans have better ideas. When we win the Senate, and we will, and take the House, which we will, we have to allow better ideas to come forward and prosper and nurture them gently, as Americans have always done in our fertile soil. And that's what we need as Republicans have to do. That's how we build a larger tent coalition that can fix the problems that plague Pennsylvanians and people all over this beautiful land. Well, Pennsylvania is lucky. America is lucky that uh, you decided to enter the ring. And uh, Dr. Raz, folks, uh, I, I, please, let's uh, let's do this across the country. Dr. Raz, we thank you very, very much. Good luck. Stay safe. And if, if folks want to help, DrOz.com. The coffers are open. <laughs> We're sending everything. So send in, send in money, Dr. Oz. It's still, it's not too, oh, really? Okay, uh, ben, I would yeah. have hit that. I figured like, hey, what are you, what are you going to do on election night, by the way? Where are you going to be? Where's the, where's We're the? At, We're doing rallies until election night. And that night we'll have a big event up in Bucks County uh, where we won the primary. And it's good karma. We're going to keep it going. Go for it. Dr. Oz, many, many thanks. All the best. God bless. What a guy, huh? Calling into the radio. I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, we so appreciate that. Um, I really think he can do it. I really, really do. And uh, uh, what a high quality guy, right? What do you got? What do you think? Seriously, Kevin, what do you think? Oh, absolutely high quality. I, I like him a lot. Can I you really imagine do. anybody like, can you imagine being able to operate on somebody, cut open their chest and figure out what's going on in there? I mean, most people, I, mean, I, I just, it's, it's mind boggling. And we need people with that kind of skill, know-how. It's one of the things I really liked about Trump. He could build a building. 
people, uh, what, what, what could Joe Biden do other than smile big and ask for favors? Uh, the choice is so obvious. And you hear the passion in his voice. He's not fooling around. He is all in. And the guy has succeeded at everything he's done. Everything. So I can't imagine that he's going to become a U.S. senator and just start phoning it in. You know what I mean? I think he's poised to change America for the better. Dr. Oz, go to DrOz.com, everybody. Check it out. And we'll be right back. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Boy, this is pretty wild. Um, I love uh, some parts of Instagram. I hate what it's doing to young women and girls. (laughs) Everybody looks like, uh, oh, my goodness gracious. And everybody wants to date a billionaire or a football player. And they're all strutting their stuff. And it's just... uh, I hate that stuff. Well, you know, I'm, well, I'm conflicted about it, quite frankly. Anyway, uh, on this day in history, uh, 1956, some guy uh, got into a fight with a guy in a bar, and they start arguing about uh, how far New Jersey is away from New York. And um, they start saying, well, it's right across the river, but if you wanted to fly from New, New Jersey to New York, it would take an hour. And this guy, that's that's not true. It could do it in, in five minutes. I could do it in ten minutes. And th- what a bizarre argument to have. And the guy gets so mad. They have actually have a physical fight. And then he runs out of the bar. He goes over to New Jersey, some guy named Thomas Fitzpatrick. And he steals a plane from an airport. And in his drunken stupor, he takes off from Jersey City. And at 3 a.m., he lands on the street right in front of the bar. Is that the craziest thing in the world? And I got a picture of it right here. I got the plane. I got the the cops there, and it's just, it's just amazing. Some of the stuff that's happened, huh? There's also in the winter time there was a plane collision right over Brooklyn, also in the 1950s. I mean, two massive jetliners, American Airlines, and I think United, like a 707, and they they collided right over Brooklyn, and huge pieces of the plane came raining down. And I see a tail, like a great big tail, right in the middle of, uh, I think it's uh, Park Slope. Just incredible stuff. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, when we come back, a little bit more on <laughs> Paul Pelosi, the 33 reasons why I think that we're not being told the entire truth. I don't know what the truth is. I, I can't figure it out. I really, It's a bit of a riddle, but I know they're not leveling with us. All right, give me a moment. Hey, please vote, 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 vote. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Goofier and goofier. Goofier and goofier. More on him later. All right, so do we have that NBC News piece? This is what they pulled. They apologized. Oh, we never should have put this up there. It's totally straightforward. The guy's obviously talking to the cops. Now, I like this reporter. I've never met him, but his name is Miguel Almaguer. He's been at NBC News, I think, for like a dozen years, a long time. Uh, he, the thing about him that's extra credible in this scenario, he went to San Francisco State. Uh, he went to Berkeley Heights High School. He's from San Francisco. All right. So he's got all kinds of sources. Yeah. And this is why you want to listen to a guy like this. Ready? Here he is reporting Friday about the Paul Pelosi thing, which, oh, by the way, I had already inferred that this had happened. All right. There's the implication that the law enforcement is putting it out. So I inferred something. That uh, Paul Pelosi, obviously, um, well, there's something very odd if the door opened and Paul Pelosi didn't yell help. 
Uh, this guy actually has even more details. Cut 37. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or try to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. That's a big deal. The cops are like, and by the way, how would that, that would confuse the police officers. What do we just walk into? All right, we are called here. Which one of you guys... Is the victim, which one of you guys is the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Why wouldn't Paul Pelosi come clean? Did Paul Pelosi even call 911? Now I've got that question in my head. How do we know? Why didn't they release the 911 tape? One of the chief giveaways of this whole thing not being right was when Nancy Pelosi asked for privacy right off the bat on Friday morning. A week ago Friday, she's looking for privacy. Tom Brady and Giselle, they want privacy regarding their divorce. But when you're the victim of the crime, a crime, you don't want privacy. You want justice, okay? Now listen to this. Also in the report by NBC News, Cut 38. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. After spending several days in the ICU, Pelosi, who is recovering from a fractured skull and serious injuries to his arm and hand, is now home where Capitol Police remain on alert. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap when the 42-year-old broke into his home. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is un. Unclear. Yeah, big time. Now, there's something that he states right there. He didn't have to put this in the report, but he did. Why? Previously, investigators said there was no known relationship between Pelosi and DePap, right? Now, for most of the mainstream media, for most of the people following, that's already been settled. They didn't know it. But why is he saying that? And why does he use the word previously? I have it isolated. Just that little part. Cut 39. Investigators have previously said Pelosi did not know DePap. Are they saying something else now? That's my uh, that's my inference, by the way, that they are getting ready to say something else, that there may have been a pre-existing relationship between these two. I don't know. I don't know the nature of it. I don't know, but I think that that's what's being held out here. Now, it's amazing to me that NBC News pulled this report. They said, oh, well, we, we couldn't verify it. Now, these are the people who kept the Russia hoax going. For two years, and they haven't retracted or apologized for one report uh, regarding any of that stuff. And the whole thing was bogus. Two years, two years. This this thing makes Nancy Pelosi a little bit nervous, and they go running. The guy who runs NBC is a fellow named Noah Oppenheim. I met him once. Uh, what can I say about him? Um, I feel like this guy should have learned his lesson when he got caught covering up for Harvey Weinstein. Now, who remembers, uh, what's that guy's name, the son of Woody Allen M- M- Farrow? Uh, Noah Noah Farrow? What the hell's his name? N- Noah Farrow? What is his name? Anyway, somebody like that. He's got a name. <laughs> He's the son of Woody Allen, but he disavows uh, Woody Allen. Ronan Farrow, that's his name, Ronan Farrow. And now he's a big writer for The New Yorker, and he really loves these Me Too cases. Anyway, he was on to Harvey Weinstein. And all this evidence, uh, boy, oh, boy, but... Uh, NBC News, his boss, Noah Oppenheim, would not let him do the story. And miraculously, Noah Oppenheim still has that job. Uh, nobody can figure that one out uh, because he killed this story that would have been damaging to uh, Harvey Weinstein. 
And Noah, apparently, uh, some uh, have said that he must have wanted some sort of movie deal with uh, Harvey Weinstein. Noah Oppenheim uh, is a screenwriter. He loved the movies. He did a halfway decent movie, actually, that I saw. There was something about it that I liked. It was called Jackie. It was about the... It was about Jackie, Jackie Kennedy, Jackie Onassis, and um, but maybe this guy just wanted to do movies anyway. And then it turned out he made he wrote all these weird, creepy essays at Harvard. It looked like he was going to get the axe. Uh, somehow he didn't. He's still there, and he's still pulling stories that the that powerful people don't like. Sir, yes, sir. Oh, I'll take that down right away, sir. Yes. Very strange. Very strange. And now this is another little thing. I was I was I'm still fascinated by the case, and I'm not ready to move on. I'm sorry. We're not being told the truth at all. Um, and here's another little giveaway. Chief Scott, who's been incredibly careful with his words. At, at times, I think he's being reckless and silly and, and not careful with his words. No, he's actually being careful. He's he, And he's going overboard where he can go overboard. Uh, keep this in mind about Chief Scott. He said nothing about motivation. The only people who have said officially things about motivation for DePape is uh, the district attorney, a Democrat who's up for re-election tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, the office of Nancy Pelosi, and the entire Congress is open is up for re-election tomorrow. What's up? Why? Are you... Oh, we'll get to her in a second. Um, uh, where was it? Oh, let me hear from the chief, please. Let me hear from the chief. This was intentional, and it's wrong. Our elected officials are here to do the business of their cities, their counties, their states, and this nation. Their families don't sign up for this to be harmed, and it is wrong. And everybody should be disgusted about what happened this morning. You hear? He got all choked up. Everybody should be disgusted. I watched it three times. I'm like, he almost started to cry. Why? He's a big city police chief, for crying out loud, okay? Hey, crime is terrible, all right? I, I hate crime. But this guy's seen it all. He's not some rookie. He's the chief of police, and he's all emotional? I can't believe I missed this the first time. I really, you know what I mean? I like, But what does that mean? Anyway, more on that in a little bit. Uh, we want to talk to, once again, our favorite candidate for the New York State Assembly, Kara Castronova. She's running from Nassau County. Uh, the area around Elmont Valley Stream, and uh, she'll tell us exactly where that district is and what number it is, because I have no idea. I don't even know what district I live in, uh, but it's very important that we vote the right way tomorrow. Kara Castronova, candidate for the Assembly, Republican, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Greg? Good. Hey, uh, so what number district are you in? I'm in District 22, which is Elmont Valley Stream, Floral Park, Stewart Manor. Northwood near, and uh, that's about it. It's over here on the borderline. Stuart Manor, if I didn't mention that, on the borderline of Queens. Franklin Square, a little piece. Yeah, all right. It's uh, Boy, those those borders. Are, uh, why do you want to be a member of the Assembly? Well, I, mean, I I always thought it was important to get involved in government, especially after the past two years, after everything they did to us with the COVID and seeing how powerful the state government is and how it could really intrude on people's lives the way that Cuomo did and now Kathy Hochul. 
and the assemblies. So I want to get up there and get involved and, uh, you know, read the bills before they come out and be able to alert the public to some of the crazy bills that they're trying to write up there in Albany. Uh, I think we need to get rid of one party rule. And a lot of people that I'm talking to are ready to vote Republican. And that includes the majority of Democrats in my area. All right. I got a pop quiz for you. I have a you ready. What United States president served in the New York State Assembly? Hmm. I'm going to fill you in. And I didn't know this until recently myself. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was elected to the United States Assembly. He was just 23 years old. And the rest, we know what happened with him. He became governor. Then he became vice president. And then he became president. The same Kara. And I'm serious. Could happen to you. You know, yeah, you get stepping stone, right? And also, uh, obviously, I want to do a good job. But for me, it's a great platform to be able to talk about truth and justice and all the things that we all think are important. To have somebody in the assembly fighting for us and actually, you know, talking about stuff. A lot of the people in the assembly, you don't really hear from them. Yeah, well, that's kind of my point. And I was not just being playful. I mean, it's 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 reality. Most people do not have an awareness of who their assembly person is. Uh, they just. They have no idea. And you think about it once, once every two years when you go to vote, if that. So how do you, how do you overcome that and, and make the case that this is something kind of important? This is something that we should be focused on. Everyone needs to be focused on tomorrow and go out and vote and bring their family and friends and keep text messaging people until 9 p.m. Because literally I feel like the state depends on it. If everyone I tell to vote like your life depends on it because it does. Uh, we saw what happens with the past two years. They, the Democrats want us to forget immediately there's no more COVID. There's no more uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, there's no more masking. And they want us to forget, but that could happen all over again. Like, I want to celebrate Christmas this year. I want to live in a free state. I want to live in a safe state. And we've all seen what's happened the past two years since COVID and what's gone on since Biden has taken office. We really need to rebalance power. And I think that if we don't, I don't even know what we're going to do. I literally feel like so many lives are depending on balancing out power in Albany, getting Lee Zeldin elected as governor, taking back the House and the Congress, which obviously people will be voting on when they go to vote tomorrow. It's just not local. They're voting on the senators. They're voting on the Congress people. We need to flip the House. We need to get fairness in all, uh, at that, down there in Washington, D.C., yeah. which is going to help. Obviously, you know I fight for the January 6th prisoners. Yeah, That's you do a great job there. for them. Hey, Kara, do me a favor, and you really do. You, you're, you're speaking uh, – you're talking about them when so many are ignoring them, want it to go away, and you've gone down to Washington, D.C. Uh, tell me a little bit about your boxing career. How the how the heck you – a nice girl like you, what are you doing in the ring? I feel like that's what people are going to say to me when I get in politics. Like, how to, Tell me how you got into this uh, – into this politics i really just love fighting i love like the thrill of the fight I, I used to love the training for the fight and uh you know the fear factor of it and overcoming the fear and a lot of that plays comes into play now that i'm running for office kind of like you know the anticipation and and doing everything you could do to win but i actually just love fist fighting i know that makes no sense to m the majority of people there's nothing like being in a fist fight when you're squared up with somebody all you're thinking about is how you can knock that person out and how not to get knocked out by that person. And um, it's just like you literally go into the zone, you go into the moment, um, and it, all your problems disappear, if that makes sense. Oh, my God. Well, have you ever been knocked out? I've never been knocked out, but I've knocked people out. I, I was, I came close. I saw, I saw black. They say black is worse than seeing stars, but I actually didn't get knocked out. And I was able to play it off, but I know I never got knocked out. Thank God. Oh, my goodness. But, Great. Is that all behind you? Are you still boxing or what? I'm not boxing. I still train. I train people. I work out in my garage. I go jogging. Um, I, you know, jogging is a thing boxers always do. 
late into life, like either in the early morning or late at night, you know, you always feel like you have to be jogging on the road from road work and stay in boxing shape. We all try to stay in the shape we were in, but we can never do that. But, um, yes, I, I do box for fun and I spar sometimes when I'm in a really bad mood and I feel like I got to get it out I'll go into the gym and I'll look for some of the younger girls and spar them thinking I could keep up with them and sometimes I can and sometimes I can't yeah. but uh yes I well, you got to be careful when you're working out because quite frankly uh the area on Hempstead Turnpike in Elmont uh after you get over the Queens line right there I think mm-hmm. a Hempstead Turnpike right it gets uh yeah, it's know. very dicey I actually walked that believe it or not I walked all the way from Manhattan all the way out to Garden City, and I went via that route. I was getting ready. I was, yeah, and uh, the only time I was really kind of nervous was uh, right there at Hempstead Turnpike. It was a little bit too late to be there, and uh, anyway, um, crime is now That's in my not. Well, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm alerting you. And, uh, well, whoever the hell you're running against, uh, we want her beat. Uh, look, I'm sorry. That's how it goes in, that's how it goes in state politics. Who are you running against anyway? Michelle Solages, I don't even want to mention her name. She's a five-time incumbent. She's done nothing. She's a terrible voter. She voted for Castle's bail. She got rid of the religious mandate. She voted for congestion pricing. She basically has done nothing for this neighborhood. Like you just mentioned, Tempsted Turnpike, when you come in from Queens, is a disaster over there. Um, It's dirty. It's dangerous. And she knows it. And she tries to blame everybody else, but really it's her fault. And when I get in, obviously I'm going to clean that area up and, you know, fight like she's never for it. I'd like to tell people I'll do more in two years than she's done in 10 years as an assemblywoman. Wow. So she's a, she's not a good character. I, I learned that about her as I've gotten to know her because she shows up at the same events I do and she always causes drama. Well, I believe it. I believe it. Cara Castronova, good luck. Uh, how, uh, your, your name is Cara uh, with a C. Castro Nova. How do you spell Castro Nova? C-A-S-T-R-O-N-U, the U.S. spelling O-V-A, the Cara Castronova. And my website is caraforassembly.com. People can go check me out. People have to get out and vote and tell their friends and family, pull out the vote tomorrow. We are going to take back New York State, Greg, and I can't wait to talk to you after that once we win all of these uh, great offices here in New York. Hey, listen, after you win this thing, uh, We'll talk in two years. I'm only kidding. I, I just, no, I, I, right I just, I just, all right, all right. Look, I just need you to go up there and take care of things. And Cara, Cara we wish you all the luck in the world. So, uh, again, if you live in Floral Park, Stewart Manor, uh, Valley Stream, Elmont, a little piece of that Franklin Square, uh, get out and vote. It's Assembly District 22, I think you said. And yeah. and uh, any other little uh, smidgen of a community that, that should be on the alert? North Woodmere. We got North Woodmere and um, a little piece of Belrose Village. So it's a a map that Belrose Village, as in like in the city. No, Belrose Village is actually in Long Island. So there's a piece of Belrose. Very, very, very. I I think a little smidgen might be in the city, actually. Just a little smidge. All right. Uh, Cara Castronova, thank you and good luck. Thank you, Greg. All righty, all righty. Good for her. Getting in, getting into the ring. I like it. I uh, oh, the ring of politics, the boxing ring. Are you ready for what's going to happen here? We're going to have a major debate uh, between uh, two surrogates, two people speaking on behalf of uh, the major candidates for governor, Lee Zeldin and uh, what's the other one's name? Kathy something. <laughs> Anthony Weiner will be uh, 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 representing uh, Kathy Hochul, and Andrew Giuliani will be representing. Uh, um, uh, uh, Lee Zeldin. Hey, Mike in Wayne, New Jersey. You got a problem with what we're about to do here? No, 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 Greg. I have no issue with what you're about to do. What I do have an issue with is that 
um, what's his name, Wiener, on Saturday downplayed the overdose deaths in our country from the southern border, saying that they screwed the numbers up to make fear about, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah. And I say to him, he's an effing idiot because 100,000 people die a year from it. Who cares where it comes, the legal part or the illegal entry? You know, the guy's a meathead. You know what? But he's a good master debater. All right. Stop it, Mike. Come on. Um I think that, uh, well, we'll see what happens in this debate. Milo is in Yorktown. Hello. Milo. Hey, Greg. How you doing, bud? How's everything? Good? Good. What's up? Uh, listen, that thing with Pelosi, I honestly think that he was getting stretched out by this guy. What does that mean, stretched out? What is that? What is that code he for? He was having sexual relations with this guy. And they don't... Why are you guys turning him off? He's He can say that. Who... Oh, good. You're back. All right. Yeah, and? I mean, they, and they're trying to hide it. I don't know. Hey, let me go back to stretched out. I must say, I've heard a lot of terms for, uh, for I've heard a lot of euphemisms. I've never heard that one. Look, you may be right. By the way, in the end, it doesn't matter. They could have been playing cards. They could, I don't, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's the part that the distortion, the what I call the January sixifying of all this stuff. That's what's gotten my attention. All right, Milo, sorry, I'm up against a break. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, I think there's media showing up for this debate. We do know it's it's not Zeldin versus Hochul. It's 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 Giuliani versus Wiener. Still going to be good. Uh, all right, that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, what else? Um, what am I going to do tonight? I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to be able to just listen and wait for the returns. I look forward to that. Um, I I have about 75 things that I've noticed. I'm making a big list of all the crazy things about the Pelosi situation. Um, I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through as many as I can right now. The privacy at this time thing, Nancy Pelosi asking for. I just talked about that. Doesn't make sense. If Paul's head was really bashed in by this guy and he was unconscious for several minutes and needed surgery on his skull, no doctor would have told Nancy that an 82-year-old would make a full recovery just four hours after the incident. That's what they said Friday morning, four hours after the incident. They said he was expected to make a full recovery. If his head was bashed in by this guy, they could not say that at that time. Uh, Let's see. There was a second police press conference Friday night that very few people have actually seen. The chief said someone inside the home opened the door um, other than DePape and Pelosi. He said that Friday night, somebody opened the door. It's been totally overlooked. On Friday morning, after the first sergeant, uh, oh, the, that Friday morning, there's something pretty funny. Uh, they said, we're going to put out a complete news release about all this. And this is right after the press conference. Guess what? They haven't released a news release. They haven't released it not that Friday, not since, nothing. Uh, No questions after the first press conference. They said, this is all we know. Well, that's actually a lie. They knew a lot more. Uh, Let's see here. You know, they have gotten by because the uh, press corps, totally weak and asleep and small time. They're not asking the right questions. Um, the FBI had a junior agent write up the affidavit. The statement is full of grammatical errors. Stephanie Moore joined the FBI only three years earlier. Uh, let's see. The chief called Nancy Pelosi Mr. a bunch of times, too. Isn't that weird? All right. Give me a moment. Uh, the big debate when we come back. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Who's going to keep us safe after November 8th? This is the battle for the ballot. It's Anthony Weiner versus Andrew Giuliani. Now, here's your moderator, Greg Kelly. All right. Wow, that's some serious music. The Great Debate. Uh, Kathy Hochul is uh, not here. Standing in, we have Anthony Weiner, the former congressman. Anthony, hello. Welcome. And we also. Thank you for having us. Standing in for Rudy, I'm sorry, standing in for Lee Zeldin <laughs> is, uh, Andrew Giuliani, uh, who ran for governor himself and did a very good job. First time out, beat a, uh, borderline career politician. Welcome to you. <laughs> Greg, thank you very much. I'm very much looking forward to the next. Not just hour, but the next 30-plus hours over here as we see if we can save our state once and for all. Well, all right. So we know uh, the stakes are high. And uh, let's start. Uh, opening uh, comments, opening statement, you get about, uh, let's say, a minute and a half or so. I'm making up these rules as I go along. <laughs> but, um, Andrew Giuliani, go ahead. Make the case. Well, I'll tell you what. Kathy Hochul, in the only debate that she would allow Lee Zeldman to have, uh, asked one, I think, very important question. Why is it important to you? Uh, obviously, she was asking that question with regards to crime, but she also asked, she also said that the data was still out with regards to crime. She said that crime is a Republican conspiracy theory and that Zeldman was just fear-mongering and, dem- and practicing in demagoguery when speaking specifically about crime. Unfortunately, the data is out and it is shown time and time again that crime has gone up, not just in New York City, but all across our state. In Rochester last year, they had the most murders ever in recorded history, and they're on pace to surpass that this year. Same thing in Binghamton. Uh, Kathy Hochul has no answers for not just cashless bail, uh, but has no answers for what she's going to do regarding qualified immunity. She has no answers from a mandate's perspective, what she's going to do with children. And uh, as a matter of fact, the one thing she did say in the debate was she would look at it after the election. Lee Zeldin said very clearly that there will be no mandates ever on children with vaccines. From an economic perspective, we've seen inflation go through the roof. Now, you could say that's a federal issue, but she was standing with the president of the United States yesterday. Uh, All right. That's on to the next. Very strong opening statement. (laughs) Now, Anthony Weiner, please. Well, I just want to want to say I want to thank Andrew for uh, for letting me into one of these debates. He he has some experience debating Lee Zeldin. He actually did it a couple of times. I think he prevailed in those debates. Look, this is a very difficult time to be an incumbent. We're seeing it all around the country when 71 percent of people say the country's going in the wrong direction. It's perfectly reasonable for voters to say. I'm going to take it out on the incumbent. I'm going to take it out on Governor Hochul. I'm going to take it out on my local elected officials. They certainly don't like Joe Biden. It's a midterm election. It's a tough time. But I think that one of the things I want voters, and to the extent that there are people that are still undecided, is to also kind of get a sense for what the values of these candidates are. I think, you know, no one doubts that crime is a big issue. In January, when she gave the state of the state address, Hochul talked about crime. When the uh, budget was held up, when it was delayed this year, it was over the issue of crime because she wanted changes to, to the bail law. Now, the bail law, though, has become this boogeyman. We've seen it in all of the TV commercials. I think a lot of listeners don't really understand exactly what it means. There's an ad that's running even on your show, Greg, that talks about someone getting out of jail who then went on to commit a crime, and they say because they, they were out on bail. No, that person had been released. Bail is for people 
who have not been convicted of anything. And the only thing about non-cash, about non-cash bail that about 20 some odd states have that I think should be changed. There should be a dangerousness standard. And, and Kathy Oakle fought to increase the standards, give judges more jurisdiction. Well, let me jump in because this guy was released when he should not have been released. And it's the overall situation that we're in. It's real. Kathy Hochul seems to be in a state of denial. At least that's what I think, Andrew. I, I, I just want to mention, too, and I know you mentioned the state of the state speech, and I was still running for governor at the time. Uh, she mentioned crime as her seventh or eighth topic there. Uh, it was something that did not seem like an issue that she prioritized. Um, I think it's still an issue that her campaign does not want to talk about, as we've seen time and time again. Uh, she just wants to talk about Trump, and she wants to talk about Lee Zeldin's vote on January 6th, and that's kind of been the complete focus of her campaign. I don't think she's actually given any answers on what she would do from a crime perspective. She see, seems to keep kicking the can down the road. Uh, and for me, it's it's very concerning when you have, I think, a lot of not just Republicans, but independents and even Democrats that are looking and saying, hey, we have a real problem here. And Kathy Hochul does not have a plan. Uh, Lee Zeldin, I think, has laid his plan out, having been on the other side of it for the last 18 months. And it's pretty clear what he Let me hear what that I, plan I is. Because, i got to jump in yeah. for a second. I want to ask you, Anthony Weiner. Well, can I just say uh, uh, well, can come back to that, that? But, but I want to ask you this. Kathy Hochul, Kathy Hochul. A one-term member of Congress. You were in Congress for how long? Ten terms? Fifteen? Seven terms? Not how long? long? Seven terms? Seven and a half? Seven and a half. All right. And, you know, you ran for mayor, very credible campaign for mayor. She – why do you think Andrew Cuomo picked Kathy Hochul to be his lieutenant governor? Gender and regional balance? But let me answer the the, mm-hmm. the, the question about does crime. That, does that bother you that somebody – or is Our, that just politics? Governors pick – Pick regional, I mean, regional candidates, gender candidates. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that had something to do with these elders. He, look, she's the governor now. I'm not crazy about, about the way that she became governor, and no one should be, right? You don't want a governor leaving under a cloud. But all that being said, I mean, she has laid out her plan. She's pumped a bunch of money into the budget for for crime. She's said we're going we're gonna to flood the, the subways with additional officers on overtime. I think there's more that she can do and, and, and should do. But let's take a look at what Lee Zeldin's plan has been, because I've watched the ads a thousand times. You know, one is to say, let's get rid of no cash bail. And he's yet to quote a single statistics where someone who was released. Remember, it's just a matter of someone, two people commit the exact same crime. One person has $500. They get to go home and sleep. One person doesn't have the $500, spends eight or nine months. Let me, is, let me just yeah, – let me, if crime it, is up 40 percent since cashless bail has been implemented. That, that's, that's the statistic. Yeah, but that's called an ad hoc error, proctor hoc error. Yes. I, I know you want to say causation sun, is not correlation, the, yeah. but I think – let, 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 let him wrap yeah, up on the – Let me just, just do a, a quick bit. And by the way, one of the things I dislike about the debates that you and I always participated mm-hmm. in when we were candidates, 30 seconds of this, 30, I'm going to let, let you talk as long as, as you think yeah. and because I think I want to have a conversation here. But mm-hmm. let's look, talk about what, what I've seen Lee, Lee Zeldin say. Lee Zeldin said, on one hand, get rid of no cash bail. That's a great thing. It's very effective. A lot of people don't understand it, and a lot of people think that's the cause of, of, of crime. Even the NYPD, despite the fact that Mayor Adams wants to change, hasn't pointed to a single statistic that has showed that that's responsible for the rise in our crime. Second thing he says is I want to fire a local – a district attorney here in New York County that was freely elected by voters. And the third thing he says, I want to declare a state of emergency is suspend a whole bunch of laws. Well, right now, you say 28% of people, the leading in all the polls, are concerned about crime. That means 72%, if I'm doing the math right, say other things are. And one of the things people are concerned about is the state of our democracy. And I am someone that believes in smaller government, okay? Smaller government. I, that's, that's the libertarian part of liberal. Right. I know you do, too. Mm-hmm. Someone who 
votes to overturn the election, votes to throw out an elected DA, says he wants to throw an elected DA, although he doesn't have the, the complete power to do that. He's going to have his investigation and has to present, present evidence. Someone says, I'm going to suspend the laws that are protected in our Constitution. Is someone at a time when we're concerned about overreaching government is not only doing things that are unrealistic, but are doing things that are offensive to our principles here in New York. One of the things you see this, well, you well, see this. Well, hold on I, a second, hold I, on. I, I, Anthony Weiner is so good at this game. But, but he I can make Andrew. Thing. He can make this chaotic, ludicrous situation that we're living in the middle of somehow seem like Zeldin. Zeldin is the threat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. What we are living in right now is a total catastrophe, and Zeldin. I cannot believe Anthony Weiner. Somebody like well, I look. I'm supposed to be moderating. No, yeah. So let, I, let me. I, 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 I want to hear your Anthony, views. I want to hear your views. I gotta refer to Andrew, please. Well, I would just say this, right? And we're going to get back to crime because I think it's not just an issue that 28 percent of voters say is the top issue, but I think you look at one of the top three issues, and over 50 percent of voters say it's one of their top couple of issues that they're voting on. But the next most important issue, I would say, that 20 percent of New Yorkers say actually is their top issue is the economy. Now, you said that you believe in smaller government, like I do. Uh, we have a $224 billion budget in the state of New York, and we are leading the country in out-migration that Kathy Hochul ended up signing last year. We're leading, we're leave, we're, people are leaving for Florida, people are leaving for Texas, for Tennessee, places where there is no state income tax, where actually the budget of Florida and Texas is just about the same combined as what New York is. Uh, Kathy Oakle actually has not had a solution, not just for those people that are looking and saying the reality that crime is a real problem. And I do point it to those statistics and I say causation is correlation with regards to bail reform. When you're talking about crime being up 40 percent over the last three years, when a criminal that has been signed, because well, well, it's not, no, it's, not just, it's not just. It's not just actually the person who was raped on the Upper East Side or the poor woman who was in Buffalo. It's also the message that it sends to cops that they have to be reactive and not proactive. And, that and I think that's what bail reform has done. And that it sends to criminals because criminals are their master opportunists. And when they know that they don't face jail time. For crime, that's not true. You do. You cannot say that, Anthony. They still Weiner. Those, you none of those absolutely. You cannot. Now you say, might be upset the about act, the fact. That no, 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 no. Not going Anthony, to prison, but, but none Weiner, of those laws have been changed. You're wrong about the dangerousness. You can call it not a law. Well, it's part of. Judges are not allowed to factor in dangerousness. I think you when, acknowledged when setting, that earlier. When setting bail when for setting non, bail. when setting bail for nonviolent offenses. For, sorry, not all no, of no, 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 violent offenses. This is how the Axeman, this is how the Axeman was released after six hours. He went on a rampage you know in a McDonald's. He went on a rampage in McDonald's, assaulted a woman. And, you know, you could say, wait a minute, that, is, that, yes, but, that is true. Yes, but that person was not eligible for no cash bail. And there was nothing stopping the 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 judge who eventually did hold them without bail. Look, it is fine to they make can, this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you're wrong about have, that. We Excuse can have, uh, um, uh, Greg, Greg. No, 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 Greg, no, 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 no. Greg, you, Anthony, you apologize. Let's go to a break. Let's go to a break. I got to straighten this out right now because, Anthony, I'm sorry, both of you here, all right? This is my show, and I'm going to uh, allow you to speak I when I want Greg, to allow you to speak. I withdraw my remarks. I appreciate it very much. We'll go to a break in a moment, and then we'll pick it up on the other side. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Safe after November 8th. The battle for the ballot. It's Anthony Weiner versus Andrew Giuliani.
All right, I straightened both of them out. Everything's fine. <laughs> Just kidding. Listen, all right, I do have to remember that these guys are representing their candidates and uh, let them uh, And by the way, go Greg, don't it. misinterpret this. There are a lot of things in the, in the Kathy Hochul record I might have done differently as being a New York City outer borough politician. Maybe Andrew would have done things differently from Lee Zeldin. We're doing our best to kind of make our case for our team here. and uh, No, it's so. all good. It's all good. But let me uh, – with that in mind, I remember Kathy Hochul during Black Lives Matter, during well, while, while there was rioting all over the place. Um, do you remember what she said? Do you remember anything – she was lieutenant governor at the time. Do you remember anything that she did during that time? I don't remember her standing up, but I don't, rem- I don't remember her statements at the time. I do I, re- I don't remember – to be honest with you – Hand to a to a Bible, I might not have been able to name the lieutenant governor in the last twenty years. <laughs> so I, I doubt very much I was following what she was saying. Well, well two of the last three have become governor, so it's that's probably, a good point. We probably that's a good should point. have a debate between the two of them. That's a good point. She said, "It's my job to listen. It's my job right now to sit down and listen." Do you honestly just do you think she's a leader? Look, I, I think that she has grown. In, I think the cloak of leadership makes you a leader. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think no one demonstrated that more than Andrew's dad in a moment that we really needed. I disagreed with him on hundreds of things. Leadership had its moment. I don't happen to think that Lee Zeldin rose to that moment when he had a chance to vote to certify the election. And he didn't do it. And he said, now, I want to make it clear that if you say I'm going to throw out three states, you're effectively throwing out your own constituents' votes, too, because it would have thrown the entire election up in the air. That was irresponsible. He's never fully explained it to me. And in the last debate, he did something even more outrageous. He said, oh, it wasn't. I didn't really mean to do it. He sent a he sent an email, which everyone said it was a smoking gun that he knew that something well, was let, wrong. All right, let's hey, let, let, no, 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 no. I, I want to bring I'm going to bring in Andrew. I'm going to bring in Andrew. You, you've already mentioned that. he Look, he voted, Greg, to me, not, he voted to not certify the election. And my understanding is under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, Andrew, that he had that authority, that what he did was lawful that day. Well, yeah, it was. And I would look at it this way, though. This is exactly what Kathy Oakle has based her campaign off of. Kathy Oakle is based off her campaign off of this issue right here. When and Anthony before, before we went to break, quoted that 28 percent of New Yorkers say that crime is the top issue. Another 20 percent say the economy is the top issue. I think this is an issue that falls in six or seven in that same poll. I forget exactly what it is, but it's in the low single digits. Uh, Kathy Oakle has decided to make this the boogeyman, as she said uh, she's fear-mongered that Lee Zeldin is this guy who does not believe in democracy. I think he had very real reasons for doing it. He said that during the debate, and, and I think he's – Well, actually, I actually he said I, the, the, the point I was about to make was that he, he was found to have sent an email to the chief of staff mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the president. In saying, early December. Here's what, yeah, saying what here's what you should, you should lay out any arguments that you have. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought it's a smoking gun. He, no, I actually think that was a reasonable advice to give to the president. Yeah. Obviously, it never came because there was never any real – there was never anything that was found. 68-some-odd court cases, 116 charges, not a single one of them stuck. But he still voted to throw out the votes of three states. And I just want to tell you why I, believe, I do believe it's a question of values that New Yorkers should be worried about. That combined with firing an elected official that he disagrees with, combined with declaring a state of emergency because he thinks it's politically expedient, these types of things show a character flaw. Showing someone that doesn't have a full respect for his constituents, doesn't have a full respect for the rule of law. This moment of time, this we can all say, here's things that we care about on crime, about the economy, whatever it is. This, I, to me, shows a character flaw. Right, well, I think I, 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 you've I established that. I got to – character flaw. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Now, I would disagree because I think he saw what happened with the state legislatures and how laws were basically changed under the guise of COVID – and I think he had very legitimate. I think he had very legitimate reasons to do okay, what he did. Let me let me ask a question have, about. We're that. Have, but here's the thing: I really 
think we should be focusing more no, on I know. crime and the economy because that's what New Yorkers are caring I know, about. Andrew, I got to jump in here. Sorry, gentlemen. I want to pick up on this electoral thing January 6th. When you were in Congress, Anthony, Democrats, um, I think in 2000, uh, when did you get to Congress? 2000, I got, right? I, I got in 99. 99. So when you were in Congress, the Democratic, uh, the Black Congressional Caucus, about 17 of them, individually stood up and objected on the January 6th of 2001 to that election. They couldn't get a senator to sign up. In 2004, I think Nancy Pelosi did it. They were following guidelines, rule of law. You are allowed to do these things. You say it's a character flaw in what Lee Zeldin did. Um, Character. Are you sure you... Are you sure you want to go down? You you really believe it's a character issue yeah. that you don't believe that people in America can have legitimate concerns about the fairness of the election, particularly in places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Arizona. I think those are the three states. The Constitution was changed. We believe in violation of uh, state law. Sixty seven court cases threw those things out. Trump judges. Republican no, 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 no. I want to go back to the character, the character what, issue. You, you said character. Greg, 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 here's what's got to, I think would be helpful. It's, it's your show. But if you ask me things and I get a chance to respond I, to I them, want to would find you mind? out. You, I want to find You said character. Yes. So address I, the character. I, I, I've heard that a million times I'm, and it's wrong. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna get to it. It's not wrong. These, these are facts. The, and, and, your, and, and your listeners can, can go look this up. Every court case is out there. All the legislatures that did their own audits are out there. But here's why it's a character thing. When you say in private correspondence to the White House, we need to have legitimate, verifiable problems that you can document so I can justify my vote, and then he doesn't get them and does it anyway, and freely says, freely says he did it because he was going to run for, 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 for governor and wanted to get the support of the former president, that's character right there. Well, character very good, standing very good. up when your party says no, not saying this is the easiest gotcha. thing Just because I want to put this to bed because obviously this is something that we've had uh, a January 6th committee hearing on the, throughout this entire last couple you gotta of years. you got to wrap up two right? seconds. Two seconds, basically. I think what Lee Zeldin was saying was the court case that happened in December and very early January – that there were things that fell through the loopholes between that, and that's ultimately what his concern Thank you. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Who's going to keep us safe after November 8th? The battle for the ballot. It's Anthony Weiner versus Andrew Giuliani. Well, this has been very useful so far. I realize that I will never... <laughs> moderate a debate in my professional career. I, I hate it. I Greg, can't, I can't be neutral. You're doing a great job. I think no. you're doing fine. I, it's all no, good. This it's is all not, good. Uh, there's this nothing way, moderate about me. By the way, this is the way guys sit in Glendale and have an argument about stuff. This is the way they talk. And, so. and I have to tell you, Greg, people are impassioned right now about the issues that's going on in our state, and I think you're seeing it. I've been out there at early voting stops for Lee Zeldin, and I can see how many people are impassioned about saving our state yeah, at this moment. I don't want to be the Chris Wallace of the right, though, right? Remember <laughs> that guy? All right, so where the hell were we? Uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, Lee Zeldin. Um, make the case on uh, inflation. What the hell can a governor do about inflation, Andrew? Well, I would say this. Kathy Hochul was standing yesterday with who? With Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been championing his Inflation Reduction Act, which he was saying about a year ago now that inflation was just transitory. We've seen that it's actually not been transitory. Why isn't Kathy Ockel actually using her leverage to go down to Washington and try to actually actually stop what has been a disaster for New Yorkers? Why aren't we actually looking at different ways to extract 
natural gas from the southern tier of New York, which actually, by the way, the Marcellus Shale, and Anthony owes this well, covers over 90% of New York. I should say over 80%, close to 90% of New York. There are real jobs, there's real energy opportunities here in New York that can help ease the economic burden on New York. As I mentioned before, New York leads the country in out-migration. That's not only because of crime. It's because there are better economic opportunities in other states. Now, inflation is more national, but again, I would say use your relationship with President Biden, who signed the Inflation Reduction Act. I find that quite ironic because obviously it did not reduce inflation, and I don't expect it to reduce inflation over the next couple of years, but I'll settle at that. Congressman. Look, I mean, there were things in the Inflation Reduction Act that New Yorkers are going to benefit from, the ability to negotiate lower prices for prescription drugs the first time in history that that's been done, the prescription drug industry was defeated. Lee Zeldin voted no on that. You know, then there's the American Rescue Plan. You know, here's it. I wonder if you were in Congress, how you would have voted on this. American Rescue Plan is $350 billion in it, grants for states to hire cops. Zeldin votes no. I mean, that's, yes, there has been some spending going on. Inflation is going on worldwide. Of all the industrialized nations, we have the lowest inflation. Infl- this is a bad time. After COVID, a war going on. There's a lot of reasons why, why there's inflation. And if you think that you want to vote against the guy that's got high inflation, by all means, vote against everyone who's in now because there's a lot of inflation. But what is government trying to do without any help from Lee Zeldin? Things like uh, make sure that insulin prices don't cut up, inflation. Make sure that that uh, baby formula crisis is solved by having more baby formula come online. Lee Zeldin voted no. Government sometimes tries to fix things. They don't always get it exactly right. Yes, it hasn't turned around inflation on a dime. But in terms of where where we need it, when you have a bill on the floor, I don't care what your leadership says. If it says we're going to have hundreds of millions of dollars to go to New York City, Buffalo and Syracuse to hire more cops, you vote yes. You know what I I can't stand, excuse me, about politics is they cram a lot of stuff in these bills. And they have these little things in there that tr- they try to make it. I don't think they're because these were grants and they were discretionary grants. This was not guaranteed money for the cops. Also, when it comes to cops, funding really wasn't the issue before Black Lives Matter summer. What we've done is we've delegitimized the police. We've stripped them of authority. The public, the uh, the government, uh, media abandoned cops like mid battle, it seems to me. And you got to, Andrew, my understanding is these huge bills, they are always cramming in stuff, and it's it becomes a political game. It's not, oh, we can use this vote against this person for just this kind of scenario. Well, that's exactly the point that I wanted to make before, which is the fact that I think Lee Zeldin, he's certainly made his explanation on these no votes on this, that he's looked and sees these bills are absolutely massive. And what they're actually doing from an American's perspective uh, it unfortunately is is assisting inflation right now. And I think he's actually said that he would love to actually vote on stuff like this if these were one-off bills. But unfortunately, and, and I know that you've worked closely with Chuck Schumer throughout the years, this is something that Chuck Schumer is a master of, which is let's build a massive bill and let's be able to actually be able to say, oh, they voted no on this and this. We can use this on Election Day. Uh, even and we, and we can actually push this through so that way we can make sure we can get the massive amount of spending that we want in all this. Be well, honest, Andy, that happens, right? right? It, it's, first of all, it's gone on for now decades and decades. Yes, fewer and fewer bills are passing in Congress. Fewer and fewer appropriation bills are going freestanding. That's fine. Like, blaming it on Chuck Schumer is a little bit bizarre. But, look, that's fine, except when you're Lee Zeldin, go to his website right now, look at how much he takes credit for that he voted no on. I mean, that's dishonest. That's just straight-up dishonest. And what about on September 22nd of this year when there were three just standalone cop bills? Grants for small towns, technology grants, and it was a third one. I can't remember the name of it. He didn't even show up to vote. I mean, it is fine. I Look, if you're a member of Congress and you want to get a promotion 
and you want to just hit the other person, that's all you want to do, this is a good time to do it. There's a lousy time in, in, in the economy right now, a lousy time. But if you have a chance to vote on these things straight up and down, September 22nd, all of your listeners can go look at the, the House record, September 22nd, three anti-cop bill, anti-crime bills, Zeldin doesn't even show up. Now, if, the, if you were still having a primary at that point, I'm sure you would have killed him on that stuff. The fact is it's dishonest to say, I don't like the size of the bill, the shape of the bill. You do what's right. And what was right in the case of the American Rescue Plan was to vote for grants that came to our cities. The American I, Rescue I, as a Republican to vote for the American Rescue Plan was virtually impossible. That's given, given, given more than politics, it's policy. It's policy. You it wanna, was offensive. If, it was offensively big. It was gargantuan. And this is the game you say has been going on for decades, which it has. And this is one of the many reasons why you, so many people are turned off by politics. Hey, but, but Greg, let me just say this. You want to run for office. If it's too hot, stay out of the kitchen. You're going to vote no on getting money for cops. You can't complain. We don't have enough cops. You know, I That's wonder about not how this works. You actually, kids don't like the process. The process is the process. Forget about You're a big boy. We could have all the money in the world right now, Andrew, for cops. They're quitting. It's we can have. We have. We money. just swore in a we, new class. We. How many? Six hundred. We just. Do you know how many left? Did you read the New York Post this weekend? Nine thousand have quit. By the way, nine thousand. And 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 let's let's have a bill a bill right now in in Albany to to try try to get additional cops. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that there were opportunities, and I just named four of them. For Lee Zeldin to vote for no cops for for more cops, he didn't show up for three. Voted no on one. Culturally, culturally, we have the Democrats certainly have abandoned Joe Biden supported defund the cops. Yes, he who created the cops program. The cops program. The cops program. See, this is what you guys that helped Commissioner you, you guys, Ray Kelly field more cops than any time in our city's history. The Safe Street Safe City program. If you want to go all the way back the cop, to the that, federal federal government cops but program. We these that's right, are Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden. You guys feast on these votes. There's that's so what much we more do when politics. we have campaigns. Exactly. You want to no, no, show no, no, what no, someone's no, no. record is. Yeah, that's the way it works. Pal. But no, no, no. Achievement is different. That's why legislators usually make. The crummiest, the crummiest governors and presidents. Legislators Look, stink. If you because, have a federal bill. Andrew, help me out here. Andrew, let me get Andrew. in here, though, right? I've spoken to dozens, probably hundreds of cops throughout the campaign trail. And certainly ever since Lee Zeldin became the Republican nominee on June 28th, uh, cops realize that there's one candidate that's out there that's ready to support them, and that's Lee Zeldin. And there's one, unfortunately, that's been throwing them under the bus, and that's Kathy Hochul. And we see it with the policies. I mean, it's, it, it is. It's just completely obvious who's actually in there and who's actually fighting up for our police officers' rights. And now I know you mentioned these bills, but again, I, I told you, this is actually the spin that, that really Washington does so well. They actually have bills like this that's full of pork, that's full of, you know, there's so much unnecessary spending in there that's not actually going to help our police. We need somebody and a leader in Albany who's going to get up and say, you know what, I'm protecting their qualified immunity. I'm going to actually declare a crime emergency, and I'm going to make sure I'm actually going to repeal cashless bail. And by the way, yes, I think Lee is very, very, very proud to say that on day one he would fire Alvin Bragg, which I think is a very important thing. Considering Alvin Bragg did say, did say that he would not prosecute people for resisting arrest. Even in the commission of uh, violent crimes. No, 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 no. That's not right. That, he look at said his memo. he would. No, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what it said. 
He said he would not charge someone with resisting arrest if there was no underlying crime, which is an interesting point, Greg. Why would you ever charge someone with resisting arrest when there's no crime to arrest them for? That's what he was saying. No, it wasn't actually. Yes, he it said is. if he didn't Again, pull if he did not pull the trigger, if if a gun was shown but not fired, that that would not there, necessarily no, have to charge him with attempted robbery. The resisting arrest. Okay, don't do you, change, do you, you just change the subject think, for resisting do think, arrest. Do you think do you think Alvin Bragg is an effective public servant? I believe he was elected. I believe in democracy. How many people vote for I believe in democracy. Fine, that's great. And, we and believe I, in democracy. And I don't believe in people in Schenectady should be deciding who the, who the district attorney is in New York County. I may not like him. I don't remember who I voted. How many, I live in New York okay, County. Okay, but, how, but many people, no. how many people voted for him? I respect democracy. Do you, Greg? I respect democracy. Yes. I respect Someone gets my, elected. You're allowed to be a bad elected 85,000 people. 85,000 people voted for Alvin Bragg. That's, that's, that's In not, a city of 8 million. Okay. In a city of 8 million people. 85,000. That 000. is not the truth. So we're going to one person overrule them? You know, if you ran for mayor, if you ran for mayor, yeah. and if you, if you ran under the old system, which was first and second place, if you don't get over 40, you have a runoff. I did. We understood that. And it's an up or down vote. Ranked choice voting, for both of you, by the way, is, I don't understand it. I do. I've had it explained to me a million times. I don't, I don't want it to be, I don't want to actually do me a favor. Don't because you are going to lose me. Nobody, you can't explain it to me. You can't explain it to the average voter. It precludes the, um, the runoff. And I think it's anti-democratic in the end because too much happens behind closed doors. I would just say that memo that Al- that Alvin Bragg actually wrote to his assistant district attorneys on January 3rd, his second day in office, uh, I would say it's that a that was idea. a dereliction of his duties. It's right a bad there. idea. It was a bad idea, but I would also say that at that point he ended up uh, the Constitution that he swore to, the New York State Constitution, I think he violated his constitutional oath right there. And so I think that's something that voters maybe did not necessarily know when they were voting I, for listen, him I am on totally, November 2nd. If, if we want to have a conversation a couple of years whether Bragg should get reelected, I'm not sure I would stand in for him. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. But that's not the issue. The issue is now what kind of governor would Lee Zeldin be if he says, I'm going to go into this county, the third most populous county, I think, and I'm going to say I'm going to substitute my judgment. I don't even live there. I'm going to do my judgment for all of you and throw it out. But he's it putting it on the ballot. You know what it reminds me of? Does he have that? You know what it reminds me of? But he's putting it on the ballot. He does not have that But Anthony, he is putting it on the ballot. He's not something he's holding Hold on. Let me just finish my thought. I had a big finish. You know what that reminds me of? Throwing out the presidential vote. It's a consistent line with how he thinks about He's putting this on the ballot, though. He's being transparent about this. This is the first thing that he mentions in campaign What do you mean he's putting it on the ballot? He's mentioning this really. I know. This is not something that he's saying after he's elected and doesn't have to Wait, wait, wait. Let me jump in. When Andrew Cuomo publicly floated suspending Bill de Blasio, was he was he showing off? Did he have that authority or not? He didn't have that authority. Andrew? He did not have uh, We can get an Andrew Cuomo. At, at, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about Andrew Cuomo. Well, do me a favor. I mean, well, we're, the, answer is is related. No. the answer is no. I, I've not heard one that he does not have that. can't just decide another elected now. Now, one is a state elected official and the other one is a municipal one. He doesn't have the right, but nor should he. That's not the country we live in. We Here's how we do accountability at the polls. That's what he and I are debating well, now. That's why we, he and I ran for office. We honor what the voters say. We might not like it. We might think they elect bums. But we honor it. This guy does not honor the votes of his own constituents. His own constituents. Yes, New York State. Thank you. Thank you. Lee Zeldin, by the way, tell us a little bit about where Lee Zeldin comes from, his background, what he's done with his life. Well, Lee Zeldin's been now serving for 19 years uh, in the Army Reserves. 
Uh, he's, uh, I believe, a, a captain, if I'm not mistaken, in the Army Reserves. Or Lieutenant maybe Colonel. Lieutenant, I think, Lieutenant yeah. Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, he's been in Congress now for six terms, five terms, and was uh, state senator before then. And I can tell you, look, Lee and I had a very heated primary. You saw that. I know you guys both saw that. Don't blame uh, but me. I, I would have ran you a lot I've, of bumper stickers <laughs> like that. <laughs> I've, I've known Lee now for probably about five or six years, and I could tell you that he is a tireless worker. He's somebody that for the last 18 months has been leaving everything out on the campaign trail. Uh, not like Kathy Oakle, who seems like have just woken up her campaign over the last couple of days by calling Joe Biden and, and Bill Clinton in. Um, and I think he's done enough to prove to New Yorkers what he would do starting on day one as governor. I think he's somebody that has put crime on the ballot. I think he's put mandates on the ballot. And I think he's somebody that actually would create jobs here in New York one. and not chase them to Florida. Anthony, tell us a little bit about Kathy Hochul, her background. Well, you know, there, there is this moment in our national civic life that we try to make everyone an extremist. Kathy Hochul was kind of a moderate voice. She was elected in the suburbs of Buffalo NRA, which she had an A rating from the NRA when she was representing that district, a very kind of moderate person. In fact, when she just negotiated this budget, it was her left that she was pushing off against. And I think she'd probably agree with some of the things that Lee Zeldin are saying about policing, about bail reform and other things if, if, if she did not have such a, a flank on her left. All that being said, she's a moderate, stable, solid person. I don't know her terribly well. I admire, I admire the service of, 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 of Lee Zeldin. I think that I honor anyone who, who, who goes into a life of service, who serves within, in, in, in our uniform, as I honor you for that reason and other reasons. Um, but I think that one thing that, that I've heard characterized is she's a captive to the left. Look, we are a fairly left-leaning state here, which is one of the reasons I think Voters, if they're undecided about who can get stuff done, you don't want someone who's hard right. You want someone who's maybe moderate left, like Kathy Hochul. But she's not moderate. She was moderate. Now she has actually been the most liberal governor of, I'd say, of our 57 governors in the history of New York State. There's nobody who's governed more liberally in her one and a quarter years in office than Kathy Hochul. You know, there is going to be, I mean, Lee Zeldin, he got, he's going to be, he's the same. I mean, he debated, he debated against you and listed six ways he would change New York State's abortion laws. And now that he's running statewide in a fairly progressive state, he's like, oh, change my mind. I'm totally cool with the abortion laws the way they are. Yes, there's a certain amount of moderation. I have air quotes here on the radio that goes on. But I don't believe that Kathy Hochuli, in her kishkas, as we say in the neighborhood, is this fringe person. That's not my sense of her, and I don't believe that she is. Lee Zeldin, on the other hand, I really do believe he was one of the Trump. He says it. He was one of the Trumpiest Trumpers in Cong in Congress. I don't think that New York State residents want that. You know what? Upstate, they sure do. And this guy sure does right here. Do me a favor. <laughs> You're both terrific. Uh, quick break. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Who's going to keep us safe after November 8th? The battle for the ballot. It's Anthony Weiner versus Andrew Giuliani. All right, listen, we talked this election to death. Uh, I am actually curious about you two gentlemen. Let's vote it to death tomorrow. If you don't mind, yes. We all got to get out there and vote. We, we agree with that. Uh, I am curious about the two of you in your future. You're both um, you're both gifted. You both are in different ways. Um, what is in store for you politically, Andrew? It's a good question. I would say more than anything right now, I'm focused on the next 30 hours because I think about, and Greg, you have two young daughters. Um, I think about my 11-month-old, Grace. And when we can talk about all the issues, we talk about crime, we talk about the economy, we talk about mandates, Kathy Hochul saying that, she at this point would not institute COVID mandates. Lee Zeldin saying that she would never, he would never institute COVID mandates. And I realize that a future for New York and for my grace depends 
on four years of Lee Zeldin as governor. I just don't think that Kathy Hochul in four years will be beneficial for the state of New York. We will continue the out-migration right. here. Fair uh, enough. Where, where I end up, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think I, I think I think if Zeldin gets elected, Andrew should be in his cabinet. I mean, it's really tough getting elected as a Democrat. What a Republican. job? What job? I mean, I look. I I have become look. I I didn't know Andrew. I actually met him when he was quite young. I don't want to date myself or or him. Um, I I think that working a combination of working for Trump, being a Republican, makes it hard in New York State. We're a very left state. We're going to find out tomorrow. To be honest with you, whether that's changed any, I don't think that it that it has. But I think that there is a place in public life for people who. Take the chance, go out, run in these races, state their positions on things, can articulate them. We have so much cynicism right now in politics, so much sensibility that things are not on the level that someone like Andrew, I think, can really contribute to the conversation. I think I think I do believe I'm a fairly centrist guy. I probably if I ran today, unlike when I ran for Congress in the past, I would probably be considered I would probably get a primary to my left, frankly. Mm. You know, even though I'm someone who believes in single-payer health care because – and I represent a fairly conservative district in places like Glendale and the Rockways and everything else. I think politics has changed for the worse in many ways, that we are unable to have conversations like this. And I think Andrew showed showed it was possible in that Republican in Republican debate and as he's advocated for his for his candidate of choice here. But it's really hard being a Republican in this town, which is why, to, for one thing that Zeldin's doing that's helpful – is it's making Republicans feel that it's possible. It's getting them involved again, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. I don't want them to win, and I don't think that they will, but any time people are getting active in politics. And I'll tell you one other thing, and there's an unpopular position in my party. We have all these close races around the state right now because a, a, a troublemaking judge upstate drew the districts instead of legislators. I think a bunch of close races – is better than a bunch of races that are all Republican or all Democrat. We have a state of Wisconsin right now that has 65% of the voters cast their votes for Democrat. For, I'm sorry, 45% cast their votes for Republicans, yet they represent 67% of the legislature. That kind of gerrymandering yeah. isn't helpful. So I think we're getting to a place now where t- tomorrow we may see the vote and the number of seats that the candidates hold is going to turn out to be exactly the same, which is where democracy should be. All right, so i got to say a couple of things. Number one, uh, look. Everybody's had difficulties in life, but, um, Anthony, I think you would have made a very good mayor. I think you would have been a great mayor. And, and, uh, Andrew, I, I'm, I'm absolutely kind of tickled about thinking what could be in your future. You, you got a couple of, it's a challenging spot for you. You know what I mean? You are a political natural. You learn so much from your dad. Um, I wonder what the path is ahead, and uh, I think it's going to be a great one. You got to give me a little bit more than we'll see. Is there anything, <laughs> anything you're thinking about, like, would you work for Lee Zeldin? My wife is threatening that if Kathy Hochul gets elected governor on November 9th, we're going to be moving down to Florida. So let's make sure we get Lee Zeldin elected on November 8th right. so that way we can stay in New York See, over that's here. professional political talk, Greg. Look, that's yes, the way I my know. professional so my wife, But my, don't do too wife. much of the professional politics know, and stuff because you, know. you've mastered that because you've got to throw some Trump authenticity in there as well. <laughs> All well, right. We'll probably hear from him on November 9th or a little afterwards. Anthony, when is your show on? Uh, my show is called The Middle. It's on from 2 to 3 on Saturdays. I have a podcast called The Middle Unplugged. Um, I'm also going to be coming on doing some election night coverage. I think so is, so is Andrew. I'm going to be on, I think, on uh, the other side of midnight, also on early Wednesday morning talking about some of this stuff. Um, listen, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this because this right. is just the right amount of politics for me right now. Gentlemen, thank you. Greg, thank you for having me. Everybody vote. Show. We'll see you later. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.